Thank you, Anita. As we think about Christ and what he does, if we come to faith in Christ, we know he is with us. He is our life. We should be sensitive and responsive to God's word. So a thought question as we begin to consider God's word this morning. Do you delight in Jesus Christ? Do you delight in Jesus Christ? Pastor Nijin and four other Christian leaders were arrested in 1982 in the Nubal Mountains. Decades later, their bodies still bear the physical effects of the severe torture they suffered while in prison. One of the men had his fingers burned off. Najai's left eye was permanently damaged from being repeatedly struck in the face. Pastor Nijin knew God was with him in prison. Every day he and the other Christians prayed for each other. Nijin was tortured with electric shocks, and he began to forget the scriptures that he had studied so diligently. The torture was painful and caused my brain not to function so well. He said, but I felt the Lord in my heart. Despite the imprisonment and torture, he had no regrets about his Christian work. God was always with me. And we knew we were doing the right thing by spreading the word of God. When I was taken to prison, I think that many people forgot me or thought I was killed. But even though they thought I was dead, those who were left behind in the church stood firm. They continued meeting and they continued worshiping. This pastor continues to serve faithfully in the mountains. He and other workers have deliberately chosen to stay in the midst of danger, knowing they could pay with being rearrested by government soldiers. The account of one who delights in Christ who chose to follow Christ at great price. Pose another question. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ? I didn't ask if you were a believer. I asked if you were a follower. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 appears in the context of Christ. <clears throat> asking his disciples who they thought he was, and Peter responds with, you are the Christ. So we'll pick up with reading Mark 8 and verse 31, reading through chapter 9 and verse 1. Mark is revealing Christ and who he is as the Son of God, his works, his teachings, all building on the fact that he is the Son of God. Mark 8 and verse 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, 
If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his own soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this idolatrous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. And he said to them, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Last week we discussed that Christ, the Messiah, had a much different view of his being Messiah than the Israelites would have that time or even as the twelve because they viewed it as a kingship. And Jesus says, I must suffer many things. I must be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, teachers of the law, and then must be killed and rise again. We know, as we discussed last week, Peter rebuked him, and then Jesus turned around and rebuked Peter. Now he calls a crowd to him, along with his disciples, and says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. As we reflect on following Christ, as we reflect on the 12 following Christ, a wrong view of Christ and his character, in his being, in his identity, as well as his messiahship, which involves suffering, rejection, and death, will lead to a wrong view of discipleship. In the context of Mark, Mark is unveiling Christ as the Son of God, the one who is victorious over the enemy, the one who is the Messiah, the one who is going to suffer, the one who is going to be rejected, the one who is going to die. A wrong view of Christ and his character being an identity, as well as his Messiahship, leads to wrong view of discipleship. That can be flipped over. A right view of Christ and his character being identity as well as his messiahship leads to a correct view of discipleship. See, if we have the wrong view, we might use Jesus for selfish means. Well, I belong to God, and Jesus is my Savior, so Jesus got to do this. Demand what I want in worship or from a church, or financially. It's just my agenda in life. It can result, to be, result in being a taker, a receiver, and not a follower, not a giver. Results and can result in asking, what will it cost, rather than what are my orders? Please understand that when Jesus gives the invitation, if anyone would come after me, it's an invitation to follow him. And following him is costly to self. Like Jesus obeying his father was costly. Discipleship is a willing response. 
in relationship, not a duty which one, or when one knows the identity, being, and character of Jesus. Discipleship is a relationship of following Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. It's not a duty when one knows the identity, character, and being of Christ. See, he's giving an invitation to the crowd, to the twelve. If any man would come after me, it's a choice. But it's in the context of relationship. Grace comes with a price. Christ's suffering, rejection by religious leaders, death and resurrection. God extends grace. Grace comes at a price of Christ. His suffering, his rejection, his going to the cross and his coming from the dead. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, it implies a choice, a decision, a deciding. It's not a command. He says, if anyone would come after me. He doesn't command them, come after me. He says, if anyone would. In the context of the identity and being and character of Jesus as Messiah, plus his words and actions. See, the invitation, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and so on, is in the context of who Jesus is and his being, character, and messiahship. It's also in the context of the Messiah's suffering, rejection by religious leaders, death and resurrection. If any man would come after me, who are we coming after? We're coming after the one who's going to be rejected, the one who's going to suffer, the one who's going to die, the one who is going to come from the dead. It's, an also, it's also an invite to a dependent relationship that is upon Christ, the Messiah. If any man would come after me, you're following the one who is the Messiah, who is the Christ, who becomes life. It's an invite to follow or to relate to the Christ. Peter just said, you are the Christ to relate to, to follow the Messiah. It's an invitation but no pressure, no chasing after, no lowering the standard. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And as you read through the Gospels, many turned around and walked away. And Jesus let them go. He didn't chase after them. And at one point in John's Gospel, Jesus said, to his disciples, are you going to also turn and walk away from me? When Jesus discussed some of the demands of discipleship, the one calling Christ states the conditions. Basically, it's himself. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus did not chase after people, lower the standard, or give people what they desired and wanted. He just let them walk away. 
if any man would come after me. Obedience for a disciple is a joy and a delight for the one who chooses to follow Christ. The account is shared years ago during the days of slavery in our nation that there was a slave owner who went to the slave auction and he bid on a slave and he was the highest bidder and the slave came over to his new master and the man said I bought you for one reason I bought you to set you free and the former slave turned around and looked at the man who set him free and says because of your setting me free, I will serve you the rest of my life. That's basically what is involved. Here, Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, is giving an invitation. He's going to re be rejected. He's going to suffer. He's going to die. And he's going to rise from the dead. And he says, if anyone would come after me, the obedience is then a joy, a delight, not a duty. If anyone would come after me, he, Jesus says, he must deny himself. What does it mean to deny? It means to disown, to renounce, to disregard. Now, what is self? It says deny self. I'm going to try to amplify on what it means to deny self a little. Self would be an incorrect view of the identity, the character, the being of Jesus, thus his messiahship. Denying self that says, oh, Jesus is just a good guy. Deny self would say, Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. So I'm going to deny an incorrect view of Christ. I'm going to renounce an incorrect view of Christ. Any view of discipleship which presents a life of ease, freedom, doing as one pleases, rather than the possibility of suffering and rejection. Denying self. Oh, I get to follow Christ, a life of ease. I get everything I want. No, I'm going to deny that and recognize that following Christ. may involve some suffering and rejection. Denying self, disregarding, renouncing the view that I get to make decisions which will benefit me rather than decisions which are for God's glory. See, denying self, ah, denying that which will benefit me and a passion for God's glory because there's a following of Christ as Messiah, as a son of God. Laying aside the mentality out and outlook on life that places me at the center rather than Christ. You know, I'm not the center of this life. If I'm going to follow Christ, I'm not the center anymore. Christ is my life. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. I will deny self. Laying aside, attempting to live the Christian life in one's own strength or ability. I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to be quite dogmatic in it. You cannot live the Christian life. 
no believer can live the Christian life. Christ is our life. Oh, yes, we choose to respond to him because of Christ is our life. How many times do we say, I've got to try a little harder to live for God? And Jesus says, deny yourself, renounce your own ability. I can't love my wife because by nature, I am a self-centered man. So when Jesus says, love your wife as Christ, or God, Paul says, love your wife as Christ loved the church, I say, God, I can't. I'm a selfish guy. So why did I buy her a stereo rather than a diamond? Because I had some issues that I was working through. Why am I tempted when we may struggle in a relationship to blame her? Because by nature I can't respond. So denying self is laying aside, attempting to live the Christian life. So this morning, as I was walking around the church this morning, I said, God, I can't preach this morning. Oh, I can get up and utter words, but it can't be for your glory if it's about me. Denying self is giving up, thinking I have something to offer God. Oh, God, I bring No, Dan, you don't bring anything. You're dead in trespasses and sins. Anything you have is because of Christ. Denying self, giving up, thinking I'm the owner of my stuff, whatever your stuff might be. Giving up, I will use God to get. And you can complete the sentence. It's giving up any view of salvation, reconciliation that views it merely as escaping hell and going to heaven. That's all it is. Well, I get saved, I escape going to hell, and I go to heaven. Reconciliation is a relationship with a living God, a relationship with Christ, the Spirit of God living within us. Yes, we go to be with the Lord in the future rather than separation from him. Denying self is a joy, a blessing, a burden lifted. I find as I get older, there's some things I can't do quite as well anymore. And there have been times where there's something I wanted to do and I just thought, I can't do it. So I'd call one of the kids or say, you know, will you help dad do this? And sometimes I just stand back and let them do it. The burden is lifted. Let the kids do it. You ever think about discipleship, following Christ as being a blessing and a joy? It's a burden lifted. Because the Messiah, the Son of God, is our life. He's the one who works in and through us. It's freedom. because we're designed to live in relationship with God and with Christ. Deny self. Deny what I want. Deny deny thinking I can handle life. And I come to Christ, and I follow him. I deny myself. That brings freedom. God, I can. You can. 
I'm in relationship with you, Father. I'm in relationship with Christ. Your spirit lives within me. Ah, I'm finally living in the severe for which I was created. That's freedom. Denying self is freedom. Sometimes I'll ask Ruth Ann, do you think I should do this? Do you think I should do the next thing? And sometimes she'll give me a response, and sometimes she'll turn around and say, Dan, just make up your mind. See, I was designed by God to lead in our relationship. I'm free when I lead. So when it comes to following Christ, we're free when we deny ourselves and live in dependency upon Christ. Don't worry about me. I'm going to flash through a bunch here real quickly. I don't expect you to pick up on any of them. A hard question. If all we had as professing believers was Jesus Christ and the body of Christ, and I include the body of Christ because Christ is the head and it talks about his body. There was no music, no radio, no musicians, no speakers, no seminars, no DVD series, no programs, no books, and so on. Would we be able to live for God's glory? Is Jesus and his body enough? And I'm not knocking all those other items that I mentioned, but is Christ and his body sufficient? If any man would choose to follow me, let him deny himself. God in his grace allows many things. But his invitation is not to follow a musician. His invitation is not to follow some speaker. His invitation is not to follow some author. His invitation is, if any man would come after me. The invitation is to follow Christ. Some of you may have heard me mention there was a point in my life where I realized that books were becoming too big to me. They were becoming an idol. And God and I argued about that sometimes, and God's, you know, I gotta, I gotta have my books, you know, they're just really nice to have. And God said, Dan, you don't need books. I said, yes, I do, God. I got thousands of them. I need some more. And as the Spirit of God worked in my life, I said, okay, God, I surrender. I'll go a whole year without buying a book. I went a whole year without buying books. And by the end of that year, God kind of broke me and said, okay, Dan, you're following Christ not authors. I still occasionally will buy some books, but I don't have to. We're following Christ. If all you had was Christ, is he alone sufficient? 
couple thoughts as we wrap up our discussion, some applications for denying self. In sharing the gospel of Christ, include his identity, his being, his character. Clearly share the terms and invite people to be a disciple of Jesus. Don't beg. Let people walk away. Don't lower the call of Christ. You talk to someone about a non-believer or talk to a non-believer about Christ and it may be over a period of time and you talk about Christ and who he is the son of God, who he is in his identity, his character, all he taught and his works and so on and you talk about the, his death and his resurrection. You say, do you want to follow Christ? Do you want to follow Christ? And they say, no, I don't think I want to. Because that would mean something in my life that I'm not ready for. That would mean I have to deny myself. And I'm not ready for that. That's your decision. Let them go. I'm not saying don't talk to them, but don't pressure. Don't beg, don't plead. You may talk to them in the future. The Spirit may work. See, it's a call to discipleship. Not merely to escape hell and to go to heaven. Today, there is a strong movement in Christian circles to give people what they want. To get them or to keep them following Christ. Tremendous movement. If we provide certain things, people will come to Christ and then they'll follow Christ and then we got to do something to keep them. Some examples. It may be a worship or a music style. If we use a certain music style, and I'm talking, not talking just contemporary, I'm talking traditional or whatever. If we use a certain music style, we might reach them. Or oh, if we use a certain program, we'll reach them. Or if we use a certain worship style, or we kind of downplay sin. Jesus says, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Warren Wiersbe years ago said, what you use to win someone, you'll have to use to keep them. Very, very true. Jesus gives an invitation, if any man will come after me. It's after him. It's not after a worship style. It's not after a certain view of sin. It's not after a program. It's after him. Following Jesus. are seeking to attempt to figure out how to get people to come to us, to respond, to stay, I think is falling into satanic territory and teaching. Ah, what can we do to get people to reach us? Lift up Christ. What else can we do? Nothing. Lift up Christ. Well, if we use this method, lift up Christ. If we use this, lift up Christ. We're inviting people to follow Christ. I realize you have to use some worship style and you use some programs and so on, but that's way, way back in the dust. It's Christ. 
God's plan to clearly present Christ in his person, his character, his identity, his being, and his work. He's a substitute for sin, his death, his resurrection, his glory, and then invite people to follow him. That's God's plan. We're inviting people to follow Christ. Christ is inviting people to follow him. So, just as Jesus did, we shouldn't try to lure them because what we use to reach them, we'll have to use to keep them. Believers transforming lives seems to be what God desires to use to open doors to share the gospel of Christ. As believers are followers of Christ, denying self, taking up cross and following Christ, we'll discuss following or taking up the cross and following Christ next week. But it seems as believers are seeking to live that out day by day, as husbands and wives, as parents, as children, as employees, as employers, as shoppers and drivers, the world takes notice. Lift up Christ. Let people choose, and I realize the Spirit of God comes into play there. Let the Spirit convict. But don't be afraid to let people walk away. It's an invitation to follow Christ. You say, but I want them to respond. You can't make them respond. Earlier I referred to a pastor who was <clears throat> tortured. When he got out of prison, rather than leaving his country, he went back to his people and continues to minister to this day because he was following Christ. And for him, he recognized Christ. And following Christ involves some torture and some rejection because of the area of the world in which he lives. Are you willing? Do you desire to follow Christ, which involves denying self? And that denying self gives great freedom and delight. Are you a follower of Christ? If not, why not choose to follow today?